Good morning. Uh, Our first reading is taken from Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 to 5, and it's on page on page 1068. So that's Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if you are able to stand, would you please stand for the gospel, which is John chapter 16, beginning to read at verse 12, and it's to be found on page 1022. John chapter 16, beginning to read at verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Um, I'd like to start with a, a quick prayer, please. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to speak to you to speak this morning. I pray you bless us with the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you have given me the words to say and that your message is heard in this place this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Morning. Morning. Thank you. Um, It's my first time up here, so I just really wanted to introduce myself. Uh, I'm Dan Rafferty. Uh, I'm usually seen at church at the 11 o'clock herding children around the place. Um, some of the guys in the congregation may already know me. Um, I run the St. Alphege Men's Ministry, and we meet once a month at Weatherspoons in town for food, fellowship, and a, a cheeky pint. Uh, speaking of which, gentlemen, the next one is Thursday, the 27th of June, 7.30 uh, in town, so please save the date. Um, you're probably much more familiar with my better and far more talented half, uh, Emma of the Blue Hair, uh, who was <laughs> leading worship with um, Bob and uh, Andy this morning. I've also got three energetic children. Um, Naomi's 13, going on 30. Um, And we have six-year-old twins, Jack and Millie. Uh, They're very good at keeping me absolutely young at heart. And we've been members of this congregation for five years now. Um, We really love St. Alfred's Church. We love the people here. Uh, We love the place. And so we're we're not going away anytime soon. 
But I, I almost wasn't going to be able to make this preach this morning. Um, every year, uh, I go away on a gentleman's retreat to the Midlands, spending time discussing politics and world affairs with a select gathering of industry leaders that I, um, from the UK. Well, that's not actually true. Me and a bunch of guys I've known since I was at school go away for a retro video game conference in Birmingham, and we set the will to rights over beer and curry. Um, but it allows me to go away and recharge and spend a bit of time out, meet with some friends and have, have a good time. But this particular weekend is when it was book, booked and I paid for it, but it just filled up with stuff. Um, yesterday was Joy Lane Fair. Um, M was singing at 12 o'clock. The um, Jack and Millie, uh, the twins, they were dancing as part of their street dance thing. Um, we had a cell breakfast yesterday as well. Um, Naomi is, is part of the youth, and she's leading the 11 o'clock today. Um, and it's my father-in-law, Danny Hales' birthday, and we're celebrating his birthday this afternoon. So everything just stacked up and got busy this weekend. Um, Emma had sorted out childcare, so that was all covered, and said that I could still go on this weekend, but something right in there was saying to me that I needed to stay home this weekend. I don't know what it was, but it was in there. So then on Wednesday this week... I get an email from Paulette um, asking how my preparation's going for the 8.45 and have I done my three questions for cell groups. Um, my first reaction was, well, I can't actually repeat it here. Um, <laughs> I'd not noticed my name on the rotor email that came out three months ago. I thought I'd been sent it because I do the podcasts, but it wasn't that. I was actually on the rotor. Um, but I did realize that um, where the feeling in my heart came from. God knew what the plan was all along, and when I realized I wasn't going to be able to make it here, it was because of this preach. It's given me the opportunity to do this. Um, and God's totally aware that if I have three months to prepare for something, I'm going to do it the two days before. So four days' notice is plenty of time for me to prepare for this morning. So I've got three things to talk to you about this morning. And it's Trinity Sunday, so can anyone imagine what those three things are? Beer, curry. Beer, curry. No, no. <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, absolutely right. Now, that's not an easy concept to grasp. All three are one, but they're all a little bit different. But I'd like to take you through some of my experiences and how I see that relationship being made up. And it's a real privilege to be speaking today because it's Father's Day, a day we set aside to remember and celebrate our dads and all they do for us and all they have done for us. So my only real credentials for speaking to you this morning is that I know the Father and I am a Father. Um, when you become a father, many things change. Your outlook is turned upside down, as happened with me. One minute you're having a discussion of how nice it'd be to possibly start a family with your partner, and next you're walking out of hospital with a baby car seat in your arms that contains a small human being. And no instructions at all. And I remember that moment so well as Emma and I left Frimley Park Hospital with a one-day-old Naomi in this car seat, thinking that we're going to get stopped for stealing babies. Because neither of us looked like parents or acted like parents. And suddenly there's another human being that depends on you to provide for them, protect them, teach them, guide them and love them. No pressure, of course. But being a father to my kids has helped me to better understand God's relationship with us as our Father in Heaven. And hopefully this talk's going to explain a bit of that. So as a father, you kind of need to be many, many different things over the course of time. And father means something different to every one of us. So just for a couple of moments now, let's be a bit interactive, yeah? When you hear the word father, what one word springs to mind? Dad? 
mischievous. Anything else? Authority. Authority. Love. Security. Security. Provider. Busy. Busy. <laughs> <laughs> missing. Oh, oh wow. Liability? <laughs> oh, real liability, right. <laughs> Blimey. So, lots and lots of different things, okay. Um, and um, as Mike said, sometimes you have to be an authoritarian, yeah. You need to make sure the rules are being followed um, and that your kids are doing the right thing. If they aren't, you need to let them know there's a consequence. It could be a restriction to doing something they like, like no TV, no playing with their friends. They might be sent to, for time to reflect um, off to their rooms, or there's the concept of the naughty step, or as it is in our house, the thinking mat. Um, uh, they may need to say, make reparations. They may need to apologize to someone or fix something they've broken, do some work for someone if they've, they've messed up their garden. And it's our job as a dad to understand what, that the, the punishment fits the crime, and that it's fair, and that the child understands why this punishment's happened. Now, I often like the way God is described in the Old Testament, a bit like that aspect of the Father. While it's clear he absolutely loved us, and there were harsh penalties for those that didn't follow the rules. At one point, he almost rubbed out his entire creation and started again with Noah and his family. Uh, but even in that scripture, it's clear God had so much love for us, and he wanted us to survive. He promised he'd never do that again. There were ten basic rules to follow, and still God's people fell short. And we still do. When Moses returned from the top of the mountain, Exodus 32, God knew the Israelites were going against his commandments. And he said, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Moses sought favor from God and the people were spared. Which brings me to the second fatherly role, which is you need compassion. We love our kids and there's plenty of times in fatherhood where patience and tempers are tested. When children are little, they tend to do what they're told sometimes. But as they get a bit older, their own character starts to emerge and they want to be independent. They want to do things their way so they can experiment and learn right from wrong for themselves rather than being told what to do. How many times have we told our children, don't run or you'll hurt yourself? And they run and they trip over and they have an accident. Now my first thought is, told you so, that was going to happen. But I'm pretty sure the child's already aware of that. They already know that that, that was going to happen. You've told them. What the child needs at that point is compassion. They need a hug to know that even though they've not listened to you, you still love them. You need to feel close to them so that in their heart they know that you're disappointed with them, but that you're still there for them. I mean, one of my dad's big guns, one of the things he used to pull out, pull out the stops with, um, that if I was doing something naughty or misbehaving, he'd say, that's it, we're not friends anymore. And it was crushing as a child to be told your dad doesn't want to be your friend. Um, and, of course, my reaction was always floods of tears and apologies, which is what Dad wanted, but it wasn't a particularly compassionate way of doing it. But God is a compassionate Father. God spared the Israelites following Moses' intervention. He spared the human race following the Great Flood. And his compassion for man was so great that when he realized the only way to save us from our sin was to sacrifice his son, he did that. He sent Jesus to earth to become a man and live among us, knowing that in the end he was going to die and save us from our earthly sin. Of course, the, one of the most famous Bible uh, verses is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
being a father has really helped me to understand just how hard giving up your son actually could be. And to do that for people who don't follow the rules, it's mind-blowing. But God did send Jesus, the second part of the Trinity, um, and his son to live among us. Part of Jesus' ministry on earth was to be a teacher, which is another role a father must take on. Our children look to us to teach them right from wrong, basic life skills, reading, writing, using tools to fix things. Also the fun stuff, like learning to ride a bike and playing football, playing games. Now, they learn a lot in school and, unfortunately, from their friends in the playground. However, our job is to teach and instruct our kids not just by what we tell them, but by what we do. It's no good telling a child to be patient doing a puzzle if you get frustrated and angry when things don't go your way in work and end up shouting at people. When boys reach the age of about seven, they look up to the men in their lives as role models for how to behave. They, and they look at them to how to interact and behave socially, that kind of thing. If boys see their dad swearing and cursing at other drivers in a car, it's likely they're thinking, I think that's acceptable behavior. And they'll do likewise when they start driving. Jesus' teaching in the Gospels shows us how to behave and act, not only in accordance with God's laws, but also with other people, so that we promote love and compassion in a world that's really increasingly materialistic and self-centered. I think that knowing Jesus was a real man who walked on the earth also makes him more accessible. We read in the Gospels how Jesus conducted himself, spent time in his ministry, um, spent time with friends, and even when he needed to spend time alone. It personally builds my faith hearing about what Jesus did in the world during his time, as we can see his heart for people and his desire that they would see that, that they he wanted them to see the kingdom of God. And it really helps me to see Jesus as a hands-on person, getting involved with real relationships, which is another part of being a father: accessibility. Many men have jobs that demand long hours. Uh, I mean, I've been in a position where I worked in London. Um, I'd be up um, before anyone else in the house was awake. I'd come back and all the kids would be in bed. And I wasn't accessible to my family, so I needed to make a change. And my prayers were answered in a kind of roundabout way. Because whilst I was on paternity leave um, with the twins, I was made redundant. Um, not a great time in your life to be made redundant when your family's just expanding, but... For me, it meant I was able to spend the first four months where they were born at home. And then the new job I got was about six miles away from home, which meant the commute was a whole load more sensible than the hour and a half it was from Farnborough into, into town. I'm really blessed at the moment I work from home, which means I can be around for the family an awful lot of the time. And I've, it's a real, real blessing from God that I'm able to do that. But you can't be there all the time, right? So when your children are small... They're usually with one of, your, of their parents, or at least with a trusted friend or relative. But when they get older, they want to go off on their own, and they get exposed to outside influences. Um, one landmark moment in my life was when I realized I couldn't be present all the time. Uh, it, was, it was actually Nomi's first day of secondary school. So six weeks earlier, at the start of the summer holidays, on the last day of year six, I took Nomi to Joy Lane, held her hand as we went over, up the, over the hill there, um, did the green cross code as we're crossing the road, um, took her into school, all nice and safe, and delivered her to the door. Six weeks later, I'm standing watching her walk down our street off to the bus stop to get a bus into Faversham, another town that's not anywhere near here, on a bus full of strangers. She's going to meet with other people. And of course, I'm concerned she's going to get there safe, if she's going to get the right bus, what's going to happen, if she'll make friends, all that stuff. But I can't be there for all of those occasions. Now, thankfully, even though God the Father and Jesus the Son are in heaven, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
who's on earth, and brings us to the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. This is probably the most difficult part of the Trinity to describe, but I'll give you some, some real-world examples of my experience, and hopefully this is going to help a bit. The most recent feeling of peace I had was about this cancelling of the weekend away. I could have been angry, I could have been disappointed, I'd lost some money on this, but I felt absolutely at peace because of this. And I believe the Holy Spirit was with me, reassuring me and letting me know that it was part of God's plan, and that I needed to be home this weekend. As it says in the Gospel reading today, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you all into all the truth. The Holy Spirit was guiding me at that point into the reality I was supposed to be here and not anywhere else. And while we were praying in cell this week, um, I, we had a prayer, list of prayer needs for people. Um, and partway through, I had a word that someone in the room was worried about a particular date that was coming up. I had no other information about this, but there was a date, and there, there was nothing the person could do to change the outcome of that date, but that God was in control and had that in his hands. Now, after cell, um, someone came up to me and said that they were the person that had that date. They realized that was what it was. Um, Again, I feel it was the Holy Spirit that prompted me to speak out while we were praying. And in doing so, I hope I blessed that person who had that concern and that they feel that they know God is, is part of that. As it says in verse 14 from the reading today, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. God wanted that person in the room to know he was in the situation. And he sent the Holy Spirit to make sure the message was delivered. Now, everyone's relationship with Jesus is very personal, and that's the same for the Holy Spirit. Not everyone has words of knowledge, prophecy, gifts of healing, but the Holy Spirit is there for everyone, as promised in the reading, and even in Romans today, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is in your heart, and you may already be hearing from him, but maybe not tuned in and realizing it yet. So here's a few more examples. Do you ever suddenly have a thought about someone that pops into your head and you think, you know what, I must give them a call? Now, for me, that, um, when that happens, I go, yes, I must give that person a call. And unfortunately, life is busy, so quite often I don't get around to it. But I do realize that that is a prompting. And there's times when you may be in church and you see someone and you've not spoken to them in a while. And there's something in your heart that says, do you know what, I need to go and speak to them. Or even um, a stranger in the street, you go, you know what, I need to speak to this person. There's a reason for this, yeah? Um, I'm slowly coming around to the idea that when I get in there, like that, I need to respond and take steps across the room and talk to that person. Um, similarly, when you're, um, if you listen to an appeal in church and you feel a prompting to volunteer for something, you know, when someone at the front says, this is something um, that we need people to help for, you get that feeling in your heart and you go, do you know what, that's actually something that I should be doing? Now, there's loads of reasons against following that through. You might think that you're not going to be good at it, it's out of your comfort zone, you've never done it before. But if you feel that prompting in your heart, then it could be the Holy Spirit nudging you to do that. And if you step out, God will be with you and be a blessing to you in that whole event. So just to bring it all to a close, I hope I've managed to give you a, a bit of a view of how I look at the, the way God is the Father to all of us, and I aspire to demonstrate that unconditional love to my kids. It's not an easy task, though, as every parent will know. I've also described the Trinity um, and how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit fit together. And that everyone has a personal and individual relationship with the Holy Spirit in their heart. And that Holy Spirit is there to help and guide us through our lives. So what I'd like to do 
is set a challenge to everyone this week. If you get a sudden prompting to do something, or you get an unusual feeling of calm about a difficult situation, or you get a picture or a word in your head that may be for someone else, or even for yourself, please can ask, can you write that down? And also write down what you did in response to it. Um, if possible, it would be great if you could share them with the church and those experiences. Uh, and if you don't want to share yourself or you're not comfortable with that, we can read out any, any testimony anonymously so it can still be shared. Personal testimony is so important and is a massive faith builder. And it would be a real blessing if you could share any of those Holy Spirit moments with Paulette and myself this week so we can bring them back to the church next week. Thank you.